Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Gravetop Church. I'm so grateful for you guys being a part today. My name is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Gravetop. I know it's been a minute since we've seen each other. We've had Helen speak for us a couple weeks ago. We had Lauren give an amazing message right after being pregnant too. Um, And now I'm back. I'm so glad that you guys stayed connected as we've been online for the last couple of weeks. we are going to continue our series called The Living One. And today is actually part two of The Living One series. And we've been just, we're going to be just continuing looking at the person Jesus and who he reveals himself to be to us and who he calls us to be. And today we're going to be talking about can't hurt me. Can't hurt me. And We're going to be looking at the second church that Jesus talks to in Revelation chapter 2, and it's the church of Smyrna. Let me read through the whole uh, couple verses first, and then we're going to break it down. It starts off in chapter 2, verses 8 through 11 in Revelation, and I'm reading out of the NASB 2020 edition. It says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. So this is a really interesting look at the church of Smyrna, because notice how it actually doesn't have a correction or a a rebuke to this church, but more so uh, a preparing a preparing message, uh, uh, an assurance to them. But let's break it down first. In the first part of this verse is how we see Jesus reveals himself to the church. Now remember, each of these churches, Jesus reveals himself in a very specific way. To this church, he says, and the angel of the church of Smyrna write, the first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this. And so this this really shows us that Jesus describes himself as the one who knows how it starts and he knows how it ends. He was the first and he's the last. He knows how it starts and how it ends. And it says, when he says, was dead and has come to life, what it's showing us is that he is the one who is anguished yet accomplished, the one who is agonized yet overcame. And what we're seeing is that Jesus is showing himself to be the one who's been through it and he's identifying himself with these people. He, the way that he identifies himself to us in this verse gives empathy 
of knowing and understanding the hardship we may be facing or about to face. And it, he gives us hope. He gives us a hope that in the same way that he now lives after his agony, that we will also live that way. And so this, this part, I want us to focus on this idea that he has been through it. God is not just this distant fairy tale figure, but he reveals himself as the one that has been through it. He's been from the beginning to the end and everything in between. He has been through it and he has been through it with you. He sees what you're going through. He's not distant, but close. Jesus identifies with your pain and your disappointments. Jesus identifies with your pains and your disappointments. And see, the thing about identifying with you rather than sympathizing with you, identifying with you means that he has experienced it with you. He can identify himself with your pain and with your disappointment. Sympathy is just feeling bad for somebody. But the fact that he identifies and the way that he reveals himself shows that he has been through it with you and he's going to continue to go through it with you. It's a very important thing for us to really pull from this scripture is that we are not alone or distant from Jesus, but that the way he's revealing himself to us and consistently in scripture is that he's going through it with us and that he is not blind to what you're facing, what you've gone through, but that he's been through it too and he's walking with us. Remember, that he was dead, but has come to life. He is anguished. He has experienced agony, but now he lives. He overcame. In the same way he calls us, through the agony we experience in life, we will overcome. Now, let's break down the next verse. In verse, the verse after this, he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander by wit those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. See, what we're seeing here is that Jesus knows the unique and personal pains that you have faced, and he calls you an overcomer. Pain is so personal. In Proverbs, it says that every human being experiences their own sorrow and their own joy. There, pain is something so unique to every individual that someone can go through a similar experience, maybe the exact same experience, but it's still different. It is so personal and so unique. And the, these, uh, right before Jesus's encouragement to this church, he, he gives this empathy to these very three specific and personal pains. Let's Let's really break down each of these. It's, it's tribulation, poverty, and slander. I really feel like it would give better justice if we defined what these, we, these words mean. Tribulation is defined as a cause or a state of great trouble or suffering. A cause or state of great trouble or suffering. Many of you, as I say that definition, you've already gone to a place in your mind and you're thinking about that trouble, about that suffering you went through. 
And Jesus is saying, notice how with each of these, he says, I know your tribulation. You see how personable, personal that is? Your tribulation. I know what you've been through. I know the suffering and the agony that you went through. I know all the trouble you experienced. The next is poverty. One definition says the state of being extremely poor. Now, some of us have experienced extreme poverty. Some of us have had to steal in order to eat. Some of us have have gone through agonizing financial troubles, whether growing up or maybe even right now. If you've ever had to sleep outside, steal food to survive, I mean, those are things that that happen in poverty. But look at another definition of poverty. Is the state of being inferior in quality or insufficient in amount. See, now that just got like even deeper. That goes beyond our circumstances. That goes into our into our the depth of our being. The state of being inferior the state of being inferior in, in quality or insufficient in amount. Now, it doesn't take too many workplaces to try out to get the feeling of inferiority. It doesn't take too many schools to go to, gyms to go to, friends to be a part of, churches to be connected to, to experience this feeling of inferior or insufficient. Some of you have carried that, those feelings of inferiority and insufficiency with, to the core of your being years throughout your childhood, throughout your adulthood. It could have been just that one comment that that teacher made when you were in school. It could have been the way that one relative treated you, the way that, your, that one parent would get after you a certain way that makes you carry this feeling or state of being of inferior or insufficient. And now finally, slander. The definition of slander is the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. What's interesting about this is that I feel like a person's reputation is almost the most uh, avoided or... (laughs) discredited, shuck, we just try to shuck this off and we say things like, I don't care what people think. A lot of us, most of us have said that before. I don't care what people think. And yet, our very core being is so community-based that, that no matter where we go, we carry with us the thought of what other people think of us in some way, shape, or form. I think what we really try to think is that I don't want to conform to what other people expect me to be. That's really what we're trying to say. Or we, we don't want to people please in order to be accepted. That's what we're trying to say when we say, I don't care what people think. But the reality is, if you brush your teeth, if you do your hair, if you wear clothes, if you want to wear nice clothes, if you show up on time to work, you care what people think. 
And these are not bad things to care what people think. We should be knowledgeable. It's, it's just human nature to be knowledgeable that we're a part of society, that we're a part of a community in some way, shape, or form, whether it's our family, our workplaces, our school, anywhere. It, we have this, this reputation of who we are as people and this, this, when, it, when it says slander, what it's talking about is those moments where you were unjustly ousted from a community that you cared about. Those moments where you, you truly desired to be a part or fit in and you felt ousted like you didn't belong and it wasn't right. See, those are moments that that cut us deep to our core to where that's the number one reason why most people don't even want to go back to church is because of that that feeling of having a damaged reputation among those people there and most of the time we feel injustice that it's not fair that they view us that way but see that slander is a part of what jesus sees so is each one of these things if you notice they're the things that are so private. The tribulations, that, that great trouble or suffering, that is something really private. It's something very personal. Poverty, whether you look at it financially or deep inwardly, that, that is something so incredibly personable. Personal that, that isn't just for everybody to know. And even the, especially this slander, there's, it's like with slander, only you know if it's true or not, if it's right or wrong. And it's these things that are so personal that Jesus I, uh, empathizes and, and recognizes with this church. And I believe that this scripture is alive and powerful and that today it is still uh, it still applies to you and me. Jesus is trying to empathize with what you may be going through or have gone through. And he's trying to show you right now that he sees you and he sees the injustices that you have faced. Pain is personal and Jesus knows the unique and personal pains that you have faced and he calls you an overcomer. These are powerful scriptures that we're looking at. And I really believe that God is, uh, is really trying to encourage a hope to rise up within us, within the church, within you, within me. And let's look at this last verse. And this, this last point, I want us to just really hit on faithful until death. Faithful until death. It says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Not, not very hopeful or encouraging. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. What I get out of this verse 
is that the peace of God is a catalyst that can empower you to endure through any suffering. Let me say that again. The peace of God is the catalyst that can empower you to endure through any suffering. His message to this church is not, I'm going to save you from all this pain. I'm going to come and snatch you away and make it to where you never have to go through these hardships or the suffering. He doesn't say that. In fact, he says, it's about to get worse. <laughs> that That's the least encouraging thing to, to say to somebody, right? Hey, what you've gone through is already a lot, but it's about to get worse. <laughs> what you are about to suffer, he says. His only encouragement is one of assurance. Assurance in the life after death. He simply tells the church, it will be worth it. <laughs> it will be worth it if you overcome. And what I take out of this verse is I see a church that is completely different than the church that we have today in our Americanized church. We have made church so focused about the pleasure of life about that misleading people to believe that the peace of God is by our circumstances and things that God gives us. When in fact, Jesus is almost promising this church that they're going to suffer to the point of death. And he says, if you're faithful until death, <laughs> I'll give you the crown of life. I mean, the one who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. He's saying, if you're, uh, if there's a death to be afraid of, it's the second death. The death here on earth, don't worry about it. The next one's a lot more intense. If you overcome, you will win. <laughs> and what I'm getting is that it is high time for us to stop expecting luxuriousness in this life. And look to God with an attitude of faithful until death. So many of us shuck off God from our life. We, we, we even poke holes in our own faith when things don't go our way. I mean, think about the last time you were frustrated with God. Think about the last time that, that in your head or even out loud you, you cussed at God. And you were so frustrated and angry. And what was it about? Was it circumstantial? Was it just your situation? Was it just life happening to you? Was it, or was it this kind of persecution to where you're suffering unjustly by, by the world to the point where they're being persecuted for their faith until death? I mean... We curse God for so little. Things that he doesn't even send to us or do to us. Sometimes we just jack up our own finances and we curse God for it. Sometimes we mess up our own lives or even just life just happens and we curse God. And, and we give God the finger in our hearts and our minds or even just out loud. And we have no shame in blaspheming our creator, the one who's given us life, the one who died for us on the cross. We have no 
hesitation in doing that when we're upset for a moment because of our circumstances. Where is this, this attitude of being faithful until death? Look at these verses I want to plug in here. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says, So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Saying to walk in a manner that is worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. I mean, I'm a pastor, guys, and I feel convicted by this verse. To walk in a manner worthy of the God who has called me into his kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17, it says, So then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will, understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, it gives this comparison of wisdom and foolishness. And it says, if you walk, if you are wise, you will understand what the will of the Lord is. But if you're foolish, you don't make the most of your time. If you're wise, you make the most of your time. If you're foolish, you don't make the most of your time. If we were to put a, 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 a chart, a pie chart, of what our time goes to. Now look, I'm the first one to say like, hey, hands up, calm down. My time is not, uh, is not the best. But if we were to look at a pie chart of our time and what we spend our time doing, would it be foolish or wise according to this verse? Would we have squandered our time or would we have used it wisely? And it's, when it says, but understand what the will of the Lord is, when is the last time you asked God, what is your will in my life? What is it that you're calling me to do today, right now, in my, whatever direction or capacity? When's the last time that you asked for God to reveal his will to you? I feel like this is a convicting message to me, to all of us. But it's a message saying for us to refocus and look at our faith not as something as hell insurance, not as something as a get-rich-quick scheme like so many churches have made our faith out to be nowadays. That our faith is not peace, prosperity, it is, it is simply to the living one, the one that has died but is now alive. It's to Jesus. That is our faith. And I really believe that this, with, with all of the expectation of suffering Jesus gives to this church, I mean, even to the disciples. Did you know in the Garden of uh Right before the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was betrayed, he has this, this huge talk to the, to the disciples, and he's, he promises them peace. And he says, this peace that I give you, nobody can take from you. 
He said that to the disciples, knowing that in the next several years, every single one of them was going to be persecuted. In fact, every single one of them besides John, he knew that they were going to be martyred and John was going to be left for dead. And yet he said, I promise you peace. This is what I leave you is peace. And it was knowing that they were going to experience incredible suffering. Look at this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus has always promised peace to those who trust in him. And if there is any hope in this broken world that we have, it only makes sense when we place that hope in God. It is his peace that goes past what we can see and what we can understand. See, this, this part where it says, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension means all understanding. It means that you can have peace even when it doesn't make sense. It means that you can have peace even when you are experiencing tribulation, poverty, and slander. It means that you can experience peace even unto death. It means that you can experience peace even in the midst of pain. It means that you can experience peace even when you're going through it right now. And I really believe that with the year that 2020 brought us and even how 2021 has started, so many people are feeling anxious. So many people are feeling discouraged, nervous, just uneasy about the future and I want us to have this moment to understand that God did not promise this world to to finish what he started in fact he says that this world will fade away everything in this world will fade away but that the peace we can cling to is knowing the world to come, the life to come in eternity, that that is our hope. That is our expectation. And if there's a time for us to refocus as the church, it is now. We have gone so far away from faithful until death. We curse God for anything. Our circumstances just being inconvenienced, just having a flat tire, just being late to work, when we woke up late, we press snooze and we curse God on our way there. Our, we need to come back to the reality of our hope and what it is to be a Christian. And we need to go back to wisdom and start asking God for him to show his will in our life again. I really believe, guys, that it is, it is time for us to have a moment where we turn around and it's only when we, when we see Jesus in this way that we can live through this world 
and no one can hurt us. Nothing that happens politically, nothing that happens pandemically, whatever it is, nothing can hurt us when we have the peace of God. And I want us to close here. And I want you to think to yourself, have you seen Jesus as the one who is alive? Have you seen Jesus as the one that brings peace? And have you experienced that peace yourself before? You've probably experienced tribulation, poverty, slander in some way. Have you experienced the peace of God that that brings us to become that overcomer? To rise up from whatever pain we've experienced. Whether it's that or whether it's the simplicity of needing to have a moment where you make a decision for Jesus today. I want you to just have a moment where you think and pray, God, where am I at with you? And I want you to take this moment to ask God, what is your will for my life? right now and maybe there's someone that's listening watching right now and you strongly just feel the pull of god to make a solid decision for jesus in your life and to put your trust in him and to make a real decision to walk with jesus in a repentant lifestyle in a way that is walking towards faithful unto death And if that is you, the Bible says in the book of Romans that all you have to do to start that journey, to start that decision, is believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead. And and say it out loud. Those two things, what it is, is saying talk to God and be authentic about it. That's all it takes to start that journey. Have a conversation with your Creator. And I want you to just don't wait till tomorrow. Have that moment right now, whatever you're doing. And mark this day on your calendar, the day that you made a decision for Jesus in your life. And start just doing your best and forget the rest. Don't worry about being perfect, but just start walking in that direction. And you can't go wrong. With that being said, if you did make that decision today, we'd love for you to be a part of the Grave Top community. It is not, it is not uh, easy to go through life alone. We are just made to be a part of community, and we'd love for you to get connected. So please, if, you, if you've been maybe watching these or listening to these messages for a while, but you still haven't got connected to Grave Top, we'd love to connect with you. Just send us a message, uh, drop a comment even, and we'd love to connect with you. All that being said, if you have it on your hearts to give today, uh, you got to know that those of you who do donate to Gravetop Church, you tremendously make a difference at Gravetop. You empower us to to um, to create content like the content that we have today. You empower us to reach and connect with people that haven't been connected to church before. You truly do make a difference with your giving. And we never want anyone to feel pressured or persuaded to give when you don't want to give. But we want you to know 100% that when you do give, you help us to continue making a difference. You do make a difference at Gravetop Church. And we really do value 
your trust and our stewardship of your generosity. If that is on your heart to give today, all you have to do is go to gravetop.com, click the Give tab, and you can give online, or you can give through third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. And all that being said, we are actually also wrapping up our 21-day fast today. I know that has been an incredible journey for so many of you. I always love hearing the stories of people's fasts, especially when it's your first fast. If it was your first fast, please share your story with us. We'd love to hear it. And we, we want to know what this 21 days has done in your life. What kind of difference has it made in your spiritual walk and your just ordinate, your regular life? And so please share it with us. And those of y'all who are also joined, have joined us on our New Testament challenge, we're going through the New Testament in 30 days. We are still driving through, so don't lose heart. Even if you're behind, put that mug on audio twice the speed and get caught up because we're going to finish the month strong. We're so grateful for you guys being a part. And just, I forgot to mention, if you didn't know, we had our baby came out. That boy is 9.7 pounds when he came out. Uh, and psh, he's a big baby boy. I didn't even know the babies could get that big. And we are uh, just been adjusting to having three kids under three. And I just want to give, seriously, a wholehearted thank you to those of you who have been so generous, so many of you guys have brought us food, have donated us money to, to even just get takeout, and you've made this huge transition in our life so smooth, and we are so grateful. We truly do feel the love of our church family, and we are so grateful for you guys. Thank you for making a difference in our life. It, it truly does mean the world to us. We know without a doubt that we have family at our church. So thank you. With all that being said, we love you guys. I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. Um, you all look beautiful today, I'm sure. So have a great day. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.